Hey everyone, I'm just so glad to be with you today. My name is Len. I'm one of the assistant superintendents at the BC and Yukon District of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. You may not know this, but CLCC is actually a part of a network of more than 200 churches uh, in BC and the Yukon and almost 1,200 churches across Canada. Uh, as one of three assistant superintendents for the BC and Yukon District, I serve your church and uh, all of the other churches in our district in a couple of different ways, uh, specifically uh, the focus of multiplication. Now, uh, right away when you hear this, I wanna say that is not math. My role has very little to do with math. Um, what we're actually talking about is the multiplication of churches uh, through church planting. Uh, I serve through the multiplication of ministries through consultation with churches, and I also help to multiply leaders uh, through coaching. So that's a little bit about my role, but more important, I want to let you know that uh, if we haven't met before, uh, my wife Leanne and I uh, have pastored churches in British Columbia uh, for nearly 30 years. In fact, August long weekend, this very weekend, is the 30th anniversary uh, of our first full-time uh, ministry opportunity. Uh, also, this is our home church, and so Leanne and I are partners here at CLCC, and we're so pleased to just be part of the church in various ways. But here is probably the most important thing. Uh, the picture that you're about to see, you may recognize some of the people in this picture, uh, particularly uh, Pastor Noah and Brianna. Brianna is uh, our daughter. And of course, Noah's married to her and they're both on staff here. And so again, we're just so pleased uh, to be part of the church. And I'm pleased just to share a little bit with you uh, today in terms of uh, just keeping this series going about uh, being around the campfire. Um, and we're going to look at specifically at Acts chapter 28, verses 1 to 6 today. Uh, if you were here last weekend, Pastor Jim uh, set up this series, and he talked about the fact that throughout this series, we're going to look at these moments in Scripture that were circled around sort of a campfire or something like that. He mentioned the burning bush, which is a story from the, Old, from the Old Testament that many of you will know. He mentioned the pillar of fire again, an Old Testament story that many of you will be familiar with. Last weekend, he talked about Jesus cooking breakfast on, uh, on the shoreline, and it was such a great message. And those are all iconic uh, moments uh, around the campfire, as it were, throughout Scripture. Well, I didn't get uh, one of those iconic moments. Uh, in fact, today I'm going to be talking about setbacks, and snake bites. And I'll explain what that means in just a moment. As I said, we'll be looking at Acts chapter 8, 28, verses 1 to 6. And Acts, uh, of course, is the account of the birth, the development, and the expansion of the early church. And uh, it speaks of various important people throughout that process, but Paul's ministry and missionary journeys really become the focus of the story of Acts. Acts, is, uh, Acts 28 is the very last chapter of the book of Acts, and it's really the tail end of a very long travel log that started way back in Acts chapter 19, verse 21. And here's kind of the summary. Uh, back in Acts chapter 19, the Apostle Paul has decided he, that he's going to go to Rome, and on his way, he's going to stop in Jerusalem. And he makes that decision and decides to do this against everyone's advice, against the advice of the other apostles, uh, the elders in Ephesus, uh, various prophets. Basically, everybody tells Paul, don't do it. Don't go. 
But Paul's response to his concerned friends and supporters is this. Acts chapter 20, verses 22 to 24, he says this. And now I'm on my way to Jerusalem, compelled by the Spirit, not knowing what I will encounter there, except that in every town the Holy Spirit warns me that chains and afflictions are waiting for me. But I consider my life of no value to myself. My purpose is to finish my course and the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of God's grace. Probably like me, you either have been or are planning for a trip this summer to go on holidays, whether it's a day trip or a weekend trip or a longer uh, time. Um, probably you are not going with that kind of a mentality, that you're compelled by the Spirit, that you don't know what you're going to encounter, uh, that there's a warning over your life that it's going to be chains and afflictions. I hope that is not the case uh, for your summer holidays. Uh, but that is what Paul knew that he was stepping into. And in fact, that's exactly what happened. Again, if we follow the story, and I'm going to give you a very quick summary, Paul's ministry, just as he makes this decision, causes a riot in Ephesus. You can read that, read that in Acts chapter 19. And then he gets to Troas, and he preaches such a long sermon that a fellow by the name of Eutychus uh, falls asleep, and he actually falls out of a window three stories high. Of course, everybody rushes down, and they think Eutychus is dead, but Paul revives him. And Acts chapter 20, verse 11 says that Paul goes on preaching for a long time until dawn. Then he says farewell, final farewell to dear friends and supporters, and there's lots of tears. And then he's thrown into prison after being this, at the center of yet another riot uh, in the temple in Jerusalem. He's falsely accused. He becomes the focus of a murder plot, in fact, more than once. He's imprisoned by the Romans for more than two years. And while he's imprisoned by the Romans, he sort of bounces around the local legal system back and forth as really nobody knows exactly what to do with him. And while he's bouncing around in the legal system, uh, Paul has the, actually the opportunity to share his faith with governors, with kings, with queen, queens, and finally gets to the point where he appeals to Caesar. He says, I appeal to Caesar. And so they decide, okay, well, we're actually going to send him to Rome. And so they put him on a prison ship bound for Rome. And as has been the case uh, so far on this whole trip, uh, he runs into all sorts of trouble with adverse winds, with storms. Uh, some of the crew try to sneak off the ship using the skiff that they were trailing behind them. Um, and ultimately, the ship that they were on, this prison ship, uh, runs aground and it breaks up. Paul, the rest of the prisoners, and their guard, the Bible tells us 276 people in all, they grab whatever is floating around them and they eventually wash ashore. What a terrible road trip. Uh, maybe you've had an experience like that where just everything that could go wrong does. And again, that's Paul's experience as he feels compelled to head, head to Rome. And so we pick up the story in Acts chapter 28, and we're going to start with verses 1 to 4. And Paul's travel companion, Luke, is reporting here, and this is what he says. He says, once safely ashore, we then learned that the island was called Malta. And the local people showed us extraordinary kindness. Now, what you probably don't pick up here, and what I didn't know until I'd done some study, is that, that Luke is actually using a literary device here, because Malta means refuge. And so he's essentially saying, once we're safely ashore, 
we learned that the island was called Refuge, and the local people provided us with the kindness of Refuge. So they lit a fire, and there's the fire piece, and they took us all in since it was raining and cold. Verse 3, as Paul gathered a bundle of brushwood and put it in the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened itself on his hand. When the local people saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to one another, this man no doubt is a murderer. Even though he has escaped the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. Can you imagine? I mean, put yourself in Paul's shoes for just a moment. After years of hardship, after false accusations, after imprisonment, after heart-wrenching goodbyes, probably a few I told you so's from friends and people who knew about his journey, and a terrible shipwreck, he finally gets to shore, finally appears to be a moment of refuge, finally a a moment of rest from all of the weary traveling and the, the, the fear and the danger, and he gets bitten by a snake. Just when things started looking up, he experienced a terrible setback. Maybe you can relate to that. You probably can't relate to a story like that where where, you've been imprisoned in Rome and you've been on a prison ship and a shipwreck and that you probably can't relate to, but maybe, maybe you relate a little bit to Paul's story where it feels like no matter what you do, no matter what you try, no matter what direction you take, in fact, even believing that God is leading you and God is speaking to you, that you just face difficulty, hardship, trouble, and setback. Well, today, I hope that you're going to be encouraged by what we discover out of uh, Paul's story and out of this account in the book of Acts. And so the locals, the scripture says, saw this as justice. Now, it's quite possible that the word justice is capitalized in your Bible. And this is something I'd actually never noticed before until uh, doing my study for this message. And the reason it's capitalized in your Bible is because the locals understood this not just as justice in a sort of uh, metaphorical term, but actually perhaps justice as a person. The Greek goddess of justice was named Nemesis, and she was the goddess of justice or retribution. Interestingly enough, she was also associated with the Greek god Oceanus. And so what they saw was Paul escaping really the judgment of Oceanus, but still getting his just reward, as it were. And as he's putting the the, uh, sticks on the fire, the snake comes out and they think, well, this is it. Paul's life is over. And so the the shipwreck didn't kill him. The sea didn't drown him, but he still got his just reward. Have you ever noticed that people who see others go through misfortune often assume that they're paying for their wrong deeds? That that they look around and they say, well, you know, it's karma or it's bad luck or whatever it is, and they must have done something wrong in order to deserve the terrible experiences that they're having. You might even think the same thing about some of your own trials and tribulations. You may be trying so hard to go where you believe God has called you to accomplish what he's put on your what he has put on your heart to do or just faithfully follow Jesus and yet through no fault of your own you continually bump up against nothing but hardship 
and disappointment. You have financial setbacks. You face physical illness. You go through certain misunderstandings. You experience heartbreaks. There are delays and there are frustrations. And just as you think things are looking up, you experience another setback. And maybe you think, well, God is punishing you, or he hasn't deemed you worthy, or maybe you misheard him altogether. You might be feeling that today. So the question to ask is really, what's going on here? What's happening here? Why this account, and why are we looking at this today? Well, it's important to understand why Luke takes such a long time to tell Paul's story. In fact, it's almost a third of the book of, of the total book of Acts. And here's what I think. I think that Luke is illustrating the mysterious providence of God as he works out his purposes while we undergo hardship. What I mean is this, is that difficulty and hardship are not necessarily signs that God has withdrawn his blessing or that you're operating outside of his will. Let's remember that Paul's experiences enabled him to witness to kings and to queens, to Roman officials, to military commanders, the ship captain and crew, fellow prisoners, and in fact, the people of Malta. If you continue reading past verse 6 into verses 7 to 10, you see that in fact, all of this brought about a tremendous ministry opportunity for Paul to serve the people of Malta. And so we need to understand that sometimes we go through hardship and sometimes we go through difficulty, not because God has withdrawn his hand of blessing, but because God is working out his purposes while we undergo hardship. And there is just a mysterious providence of God that is in the midst of it. And I want to say this, it's easy for me to say this now because, of course, we know the story of Paul. We know what happened. We know what happens after Paul has this whole experience. And so we know the beginning from the end. When you're in the middle of it, you don't. And so I want to speak a word of encouragement to you today that if you're facing hardship and difficulty, if you're frustrated, maybe there's just a sense of, uh, sense of malaise, a sense of maybe even depression or a lack of vision or a lack of energy right now. Can I just say this? God may be in the middle of all of it, but it's not until you're through it that you really begin to see what his plan and what his purpose is. I think Luke is also reminding us that God's plans cannot be thwarted. They can't, they can't be sidestepped, not by plots, not by people, not by storms, not by hardships, not by politics, not by misunderstandings or criticism or even a snake bite or any other unexpected thing that can be thrown at us. You know, as I mentioned off the top, one of my roles and responsibilities is to be a catalyst for church planting in the British Columbia and Yukon district. And so I'm really pleased to, to announce or to let you know that this fall we have five new churches that are going to be starting in September and in October. And so I'm really, really thrilled about that. Opportunities to reach more people for the sake of the gospel. Church planting is like this. Every church planter that you talk to, every person who starts something new, especially for the sake of the kingdom, but just as a general principle, 
will go through hardship. They will go through difficulty. There will be moments where they will ask themselves, is God's plan in this? Is, Is his hand on this? Did I somehow mishear him? And yet, what we see is that with perseverance, and because God's good plan cannot be thwarted, that eventually there is breakthrough. Eventually there is a time, there is a moment, there is an establishment where all that work that was done, all that hardship kind of culminates into God's good ministry through us and in us and around us. I know that was true for this church too. This is one of our churches that we look to in terms of churches that have been planted and that have thrived over the course of about 30 years. In fact, Pastor Jim is one of the people that we look to to help coach our church planters because of his experience. But I know this, it's not all been smooth sailing for CLCC. And if you've been around for all those 30 years or for a long time, you probably know of times where this church experienced hardship, difficulty, setbacks, challenges, overwhelming difficulties. And yet today, today CLCC is a strong, healthy, vibrant, flourishing church, reaching people in Abbotsford and in Aldergrove and beyond, and will continue to be so because God's plans cannot be thwarted. Let's continue the story. Acts chapter 28, verses 5 to 6. This is again speaking of Paul, and Luke reports, he says, but Paul shook the snake off into the fire, and he suffered no harm. They, meaning the locals, expected that he would begin to swell up or suddenly drop dead. After they waited a long time and they saw nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds, and they said, oh, well, he's a god. And so Paul shakes off the snake, almost like it's no big deal. If if that were me, by the way, it would be a big deal. If there's one thing that uh, that I really detest, it's snakes. I mean, bats are terrible. Snakes come into a very close second. I would be absolutely freaking out. But Paul, it appears, just in a very nonchalant way, shakes it off and moves on. But notice the response of the locals. The locals say, well, he's going to swell up and drop dead. And then when he doesn't, they they think to themselves, well, he must be a god. This is a great reminder for us. It's a great reminder that the crowd around us, in this case, the local people, but the crowd around us will often judge our lives by what they observe and they'll be fickle about it. Your setbacks will be seen as failures. Your successes will be deemed as miracles. And they will criticize us when we're facing setbacks and they will celebrate us when we're experiencing the successes. But listen, only you can know if you're being faithful to what God has called you to. Maybe it's raising kids who love Jesus. And I will tell you, after having three kids of my own, there will be setbacks. There will be challenges. There will be misunderstandings. There will be moments where you'll think, this is too hard, it's too difficult. I can't do it. And when the failures come, people will criticize you. And when the successes come, they'll celebrate you. But only you can know if you're being faithful what God has called you to. Maybe you're building a business 
and you're facing setbacks, you're facing challenges, and you have some successes. Only you can know if you are being faithful to what God has called you to. Maybe you're getting a higher education and you're pursuing a bachelor's degree or a master's degree or a doctorate. Only you can know if you're being faithful to what God has called you. Whether you feel like you're in a period of setbacks and snake bites or a period of success and celebration. Maybe it's a side hustle. Maybe it's some other dream. Whatever it is, only you can know if you're being faithful to what God has called you to. Because you're watching online today, I want to share a question that I'm asking you to consider for just the next few moments. And the question I want to ask is this. Is are you giving up because of setbacks, frustrations, and hardships? Have others observed your challenges and counseled you to give up? So I want to invite you to ask God if he's calling you to remain faithful to what he has put in your heart to do. And perhaps in these moments as you just pause and as you consider, the Spirit's going to speak about that and will either encourage you and strengthen you in terms of the direction you're already on, or perhaps he'll speak and, and indicate that a shift, a change needs to happen in your life. But whatever it is, would you just take the next few moments to invite the Spirit to speak very personally and very powerfully into your life? Well, we spent the last few minutes looking at this story, this account of Paul being bitten by a snake around the campfire. And it's probably not the message that you expected. It's probably not a story that you were particularly familiar with uh, in the New Testament. But I think it's brought an important idea to us. And that is this, is that your failures, your hardship, and your difficulties are not necessarily an indication that God has removed his hand of blessing from you. In fact, they may be an opportunity for God to show his providence, to show his kindness, to show his creativity in really bringing you through and into his story 
that you wouldn't write and that you wouldn't tell for yourself. And so the reminder that we have here is this. The reminder is for us to be faithful. The reminder is is that God walks with us through all of the frustrations, through all of the difficulties, through all of the hardships, through every success, but also through every snakebite. And so today, I'm just inviting you to once again express and put your faith, your trust in your Heavenly Father who loves you, in the Spirit who resides in you, in Jesus who has died for you. So I want to encourage you and challenge you to do that. And so let's close with the benediction today. Revelation chapter 1 verses 5 to 6 says this, To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Again, let me say thank you. Thank you to Pastors Jim and Troy and the whole team for inviting me to share with you today. It's been an honor. It's been a privilege. And I look forward to seeing you some Sunday soon as we worship together. God bless.